Thanks for joining us. This is the EWN Podcast Network. Hello, hello, and welcome to Rev with Rachel, where we recreate, enlighten, and vibrate in our radiance. I am Reverend Dr. Rachel Whetstone, but you can call me Rachel. I am really excited to be here today with Stacy Quast, a dear, dear friend of mine, with an episode titled From Victim to Co-Creator with Stacy Quast. Stacy is fiercely committed to guiding people to live a more conscious and connected life of feeling worthy, present, and liberated. Clients confidently and authentically move forward while embracing their purpose and passions. Being witness to these transformational shifts makes her heart sing. Stacy is a mastery, higher brain living facilitator, intuitive life strategist, soul contract astrologer, Reiki and flower essence practitioner and an empowerment coach. With over 10 years of experience working with astrology, healing and consciousness, Stacy is a clear and effective guide. She helps clients to go within, make life changes and achieve remarkable success. She holds transformational retreats, gives intuitive classes and lectures to groups helping individuals become more conscious and align with their truth. Stacy's mission is to support you in creating a life that radiates your most joy-filled, authentic, and empowered expression of yourself. Welcome, Stacy. Hello. Hi. It's great Thank to you. be here with you. Yes. Well, I, uh, I've always been so grateful for having you in my life and on this journey with me. We've uh, had uh, several years together, first a class at a spirituality center in Minneapolis, and then you were a higher brain living client of mine, and then you became a facilitator. And for a while, we were co-clienting, being each other's client. And now you, uh, you are my facilitator now as I'm going forward. And I know I've always enjoyed the growth events that we attend together, uh, retreats and retreat in Chicago, we've gone to Koya, Salt Cave, Sensory Deprivation Float Tank, and uh, that's kind of our idea of fun. Do you agree? <laughs> yeah. Take me to a deep dive retreat. <laughs> yeah. Did I miss anything that we do for um, fun? Well, we went to the Mexico Higher Brain Living Retreat several times together. Yeah, that yeah. was awesome to be there with you. Mm-hmm. And then I, I'll never forget driving back from Chicago just this summer and singing with you. That yeah. Was, yeah, I felt like a little, little kid again. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely helped the long drive be much more fun and to stay awake late. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I would just love to have you share first what you do kind of specifically and how you work with people. Okay. Um, I help connect people with who they are and help them align to their truth. And so um, I work one-on-one in sessions with people. I use the astrological chart as a portal and really go in and look at um, the subconscious patterns that are there about the energy um, and the family and the culture influences at the time that you were born and then also your life cycle. And 
You know, we create 95% of our beliefs are formed before the age of seven. And so we come on the scene, we learn a lot of adaptive strategies or patterns that help us manage our family. It's how we um, first learn esteem and create our own esteem. And a lot of those patterns get formed, what I call archetypal patterns, um, that really shape, you know, how we go about our life. And so I'm helping, you know, become conscious of those, be aware of those, and then how to empower those. Also looking at what your current life cycles are. Mm-hmm. And I help, you know, shift subconscious beliefs. I also do the higher brain living technique, um, which definitely helps work with that and um, really help people transform and be able to shine and be their unique selves. Yeah, you used uh, some terms in there. I think that might be new for people and some, you know, some of them are new for me, but can you really concisely mention what is higher brain living and how does that shift people or help them? Yeah, um, higher brain living is a gentle touch technique that shifts the energy in your brain um, into the prefrontal cortex, which is the part of the brain where we have our most connected, most loving, most peaceful experiences. When you think of your most memorable, loving, joyful moments, you're coming from that part in your brain. And it really helps. Um, they're 45-minute sessions. You're on the table. It's a light touch in a certain sequence in a certain way um, on the body that really helps shift the energy and you're dissipating and releasing a lot of stress that's held in the body and held in that more survival part, that worry part in your brain. And then more and more, your energy comes from this prefrontal cortex place, this blissful, joyful, connected place as more of your default or baseline. Mm -hmm. And we've both um, been, you know, doing higher brain living for years and and have huge transformations. And I'd love just witnessing um, the transformation and growth in clients as they're going through the sessions. Yeah, it is amazing to watch. I know for myself, doing something like this, a podcast, is that would have never been on my <laughs> radar prior mm-hmm. to higher being living. And now I'm stepping into it and people are showing up to interview and it's just happening and flowing. And it's... Um, it doesn't have that same overwhelm or worry or, you know, stress inducing fear, you know, that I would have had with doing something like this in the past. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It, it helps people remember like who they are and what their dreams and help you really get the momentum to go for them in a way that is unlike anything else that I've seen. It's really beautiful. Yeah, that is so true. How else do you help people? Talk, speak a little more to soul contract astrologer. Yeah, so um, really looking at your own natal chart, which is a blueprint, a snapshot of how the planets were aligned exactly um, at the moment you take your first breath, um, really tells a lot about you know your personality, your values. Um, it can speak to how you see things intuitively, how you feel, how you think. Um, It can speak to really the energy and family dynamics and what was kind of going on the scene as you were coming in, um, into the womb, but also just into the energy of the family and um, also looking at your own personal growth and life cycles and how you can really align with it. You know, a lot of people use astrology in a way that's very fear-based or superstitious that... Mm -hmm. 
you know, I have to hide under my bed because it's mercury retrograde or, you know, this is happening to me, these cycles that are, are more victim based, but I really advocate for becoming conscious and seeing it as an inner process that's trying to awaken in you and that the external environment is really just mirroring that. And so how can we really align best and become conscious and, and, and you know, show up as best we can connected and empowered during these cycles? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that because essentially we want to get out of that fear-based brain and that's, you know, experiencing the world as a threat and get into the place where we're expressing ourselves freely and from unconditional love. And I like that your perspective is based on that. That's awesome. So you also mentioned esteem. And when I hear that, I just, you know, I think of self-esteem, but what do you mean by that? So our esteem is created from our parents, you know, our family members and the culture mirroring back to us from what they've said. That's how we first establish our esteem or we get validation. So for example, when we receive approval from our parents, when we're told, you know, that we are, we are good because we did this or we did a good job because we got a good grade or we completed this project or we're part of this group. So we first, you know, just really learn what's reflected back from the environment And when we accomplish this goal, when we did this deed, it shows us that we have worth. And uh, we start to learn, we remember, we start to track and navigate that in our family. This is what I do to get esteem. You know, there can also be, you know, negative reinforcement. Maybe you come from a family where you weren't told that you were good. Maybe you're told that you're bad for this, or maybe you genuinely were excited and wanted to express yourself creatively, but then you were shamed or told, you know, that something was wrong or bad about what you did. Mm -hmm. So one of my gifts, um, and genius is really tracking these different types of roles or patterns about how we learn to manage this, how, you know, um, how we create archetypal patterns to help us manage the steam that mm-hmm. come out to help us work with our family. And there's two main types of esteem that I really learned um, from my mentor, Robert Ojado, who um, kind of created the term soul esteem. But the first way is ego-based esteem. So it's more about what I was just talking about when, you know, we learn to get validation from the outside world. And it's not necessarily good or bad, but it just comes from outside of ourselves. Mm -hmm. So when we first see mirrored back to us is what we first learn. And um, the problem is, is that we're not really connected to ourselves from this place and really we may or may not be aligned to a sense of self and knowing authentically who we are so it's very vulnerable depending on the day or the forecast or the people you know Mm -hmm. we really have our worth like kind of just out there for anyone else um, to decide so we but we can also you know because the word ego has a bad rap and I don't mean it and necessarily, you know, in any way negative, we can be very connected to ourselves and ask for validation. You know, for example, if we're doing a creative project that we're working on, that's really meaningful to us that we are a hundred percent connected to, we can ask for feedback. We might want validation and report back and that's a very healthy way. Um, but that's still outside of us, you know, but it is a healthy way to use that. Um, but if your only way to get esteem is through, for example, maybe you learned in your family to be a rescuer, um, you're always going out and you know, fixing people, rescuing people. This, you know, archetype is not really one that you want driving the bus, right? And in, in the front seat that mm-hmm. um, 
is always going to be going out looking for rescue missions. It's not the one that you want leading your dating life, right? Um, You don't want your rescuer, your codependent, um, setting up your profile on match.com, right? (laughs) If you did that, what do you think that you'd be attracted to? Mm -hmm. So um, depending on how conscious you are of these patterns, right, the rescuer, you know, are you looking for a partner? Are you looking for a project, really? You know, Mm -hmm. is it something that's going to be nourishing and connecting to you? Are you are you aware of what that is? Um, Do you know what your own authentic needs are and how to meet them? Because if you are in a fixer, caretaker, rescuer pattern, it's an easy way to abandon your own needs and not have to look at your stuff because you're so hyper-focused on taking care of someone else. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, most likely we learned long ago to kind of abandon our needs um, and put that on the back burner. So um, really becoming aware of these patterns, bringing conscious awareness here, it's crucial because it allows us to bring ourselves into present time. You know, we're not just going back to that childhood story and we're really able to make a conscious and empowered choice where we are now. Mm-hmm. And like I said, the ego team is, is delicate because it's always... It's always outside of us. And what happens if we have this goal, um, you know, we have to rate this certain outcome or get this award or some position and then we don't have that. Or what happens when we have the prestigious position or the relationship or the job and then we lose it. So it's like all of that manages your worth. And it just kind of puts it out there um, for anything to happen, depending on the current as what's going on outside and how you feel about yourself your worth from day to day is determined from outside of you. Um, my mentor, Robert Ohado, really coined this term soul esteem, mm-hmm. which is a fundamental and consistent value and regard for the self. It's an inner knowing that you've always had, you always have, and you always will have self-worth. So this is a whole different ballgame. You know, it's, it's really coming from an inner sense of knowing Mm-hmm. An inner sense of self-connection, you know, where you're not having to prove your worth or value because you know that you inherently have value just for being. Yeah. And so, I mean, this is where we can really move from, you know, the victim into conscious co-creator. Like when you when you get to this level, it's like a whole different ballpark here, but what you can really put out into the world. And soul esteem, you know, really knowing that you already have worth meaning, that you're already connected to purpose in your life. There's there's nothing outside of you that can ever take that away, mm-hmm. right? And when you right. get to that place of knowing, it's, it's really more living like a spiritual truth or connecting to the spiritual force and being out as a co-creator, which, you know, to me means you're putting it out there, you're taking steps and also being met by the universe or met by the divine, whatever word that you like to use. Mm-hmm. So you bring this level of self-connection with you regardless of any outcome or any outside environment or any changes that happen. Right. And I've heard people say, you know, like the biggest core wound of humanity is that we feel we're unworthy. Do you feel that or what does that say to you? Yeah, I think unworthiness is a huge part of it. And I think it's the biggest part that really plays into building esteem, you know, not feeling that sense of worthiness. Um, We often don't see good um, role models and see that valued, you know, in our Mm -hmm. homes and our families, our communities, or we feel shame that you shouldn't have a sense of self. You have to surrender that maybe 
um, to the church or to the family, like sacrifice who you are instead of being able to really stand strong in that. Mm-hmm. You and I have talked a lot about that shift from victim to co-creator. When you talk about the victim archetype, can you kind of describe that? What do you mean? Yeah, the victim archetype is, um, you know, as a part of you that's always want to establish you know, balance and harmony, but you're seeing the life through a lens of unfair, what's fair and what's unfair. And you're always wanting to kind of check it off. Um, what's fair in life, what isn't fair. It's an understanding, higher understanding of esteem and of value. And really it's mirroring how you feel about yourself, actually. You have soul esteem. Um, you don't really see things in life as fair or unfair. It's just the soul having experiences. And there's a different understanding, like really looking through the lens of the soul. And when I say um, soul contract astrology, I'm really looking at, you know, this natal chart as being your soul's contract that you have. I believe you've come in and you've pre-chose your lessons that you've, you know, pre-chose people that you're going to be working with in this life. And you also have free will that plays into that. But um, some things that we perceive, you know, maybe in life as challenges, it's like you really am humbled, actually, in seeing through the eyes of the soul what we're really learning and doing and growing. And it's, you know, each person is unique. And if you look through the eyes of the soul, it's just experiences that we're having. And some experiences may be pleasurable, some may be difficult, some may be really challenging or some joyful, but it's not... Um, experiences that don't speak or diminish your worth in any way. And I think if, you know, you really can shift and see into that, it really changes everything. But the victim, you know, is very much approaching life from fair or unfair, and it really keeps you on that wheel of suffering. Mm -hmm. And you're never really able to win. It's always this external attempt to get value, sometimes attention, you know, and we live in this culture that's very victim-based and it's like, we're always trying to save balance or or get our fairness back. Like, for example, you know, suing someone or winning a lawsuit is trying to get your justice. And um, there might be an empowered reason for that. There also might just be victim, you know, trying to get something back, how life wasn't fair to you and this is owed to you. And um, I think especially in our culture in America, we, we see a lot of that entitlement victim, you know, life's happening to us. And and in the victim, we never really have to take responsibility um, for our own life, which always seems like maybe it's easier in the short term. Mm-hmm. But I don't think, um, you know, the payoff in the long term is really very empowered or really much beneficial because you do just kind of continue to suffer. Nothing good happens to you. And if even if it did, I don't think you'd ever really be able to feel it and be in that. Mm-hmm. And be lost and on you. One of the problems is we don't learn this at a young age. We don't learn the, the language around this. And, um, you know, that was a shift for me. That was just kind of how people talk. Like, that's the hand you were dealt. That's you know, someone says something rude and that's just, you know, them, you know, it was easy for me to be like, okay, they, um, that's their stuff. But still I was feeling that it was uh, hurt. It still hurt inside. And it wasn't until I started going into 
kind of my emotions and feelings and taking ownership for that, that I was able to um, stop experiencing things like things were triggering me. Those are my triggers and emotions that I had to feel and heal in order to make that shift. So I stopped perceiving, perceiving life that way. But yeah. you know, I wasn't raised knowing this. And it wasn't until I was in my 30s that I was introduced to these concepts and they resonated so deep. And, <laughs> you know. Yeah, uh, most of us didn't have, you know, these teachings or this model. And, and there really are, you know, true victims, like legitimized things that are hurt, that we are a victim. And that's not, that's not what I'm speaking to right? Um, The victim archetype is really living your life through, you know, everything happening, kind of being unfair or wrong. And that's kind of the lens that you look out through, you know, every day through everything that happens. That's completely different than perhaps like legitimately being victimized. Mm -hmm. I know for me, I kind of had to learn uh, like through a forgiveness workshop about just my core wounds and being able to see and take a look at my own patterns. Like even though different circumstances happened, it was still reaching that same place in me that had that wound. And it was so healing to, to like, just know the, see the pattern, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You've got so much to share and so much wisdom, but we are going to take a pause here and break for a commercial and we will have more with Stacy when we return. Do you feel like you're drowning in administrivia? Do you have a podcast you would like transcribed to repurpose as a blog or even a best-selling book? Rhonda's virtual office is the answer to the freedom you crave so you can get busy doing what you love. Let Rhonda's Virtual Office give you the relief you need. Visit rondasvirtualoffice.com and get some peace of mind today. Rhonda's Virtual Office is the go-to transcription service for EWN Podcast Network. Welcome back. You are listening to Rev with Rachel. I am Reverend Dr. Rachel Whetstone, but you can call me Rachel. I am speaking with Stacy Quast. She is a Mastery Higher Brain Living Facilitator, Intuitive Life Strategist, Soul Contract Astrologer, Reiki and Flower Essence Practitioner, and an Empowerment Coach. Thanks so much, Stacy, for being here with me today. Thank you. Yeah, so let's keep chatting. I love this conversation, this shift from victim to co-creator. So speak a little bit about what you mean by co-creator, because that might be a term that not too many people have heard of before. Yeah, co-creator is really, you know, taking a a present and active part, um, working with the divine. So it's, you know, you're putting yourself out there, the universe is meaning you, that you're aligning I mean, I feel more like you're just kind of aligning more with who you innately are and your truth. And it's more like doors of synchronicity start to open for you. But it's, um, you're working together. It's not just, I guess, like things happening are given to you, right? Like um, you're stepping more and more into your power, more into your truth and having that flow and connection with the divine. 
I've heard it said, and maybe just let me know if this is kind of what you mean about, um, you know, we experience peace in the world to the extent that we feel peace on the inside. Does that resonate with what you're speaking about the co-creator? Yeah. I mean, it it makes sense. Um, I guess to me being a co-creator is an understanding of, of what you're putting out there is coming back to you. And, um, and also that you are met, you know, it's not just your will alone, putting it out there that are making things happen, that there is a divine force. Um, you know, there are other things behind the scenes that are supporting you on your growth and on your path and your journey. Mm -hmm. They're helping you along. Yeah. Like life is supporting us. The universe is holding us. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm wondering in your own shift and growth from victim to co-creator, what was kind of your story or your experience or how did you, how did you go about that? I think really it was um, going through this program, you know, learning astrology. I really look at, you know, Jungian archetypes combined with astrology and working with soul contracts and, and working with soul contracts and, and, seeing the stories of clients that I'm working with that um, I just am always humbled and and so amazed and have such gratitude for people's journeys and really seeing their journeys as very sacred, that their soul has come here to learn these experiences. And it's really not for us to figure out, um, you know, what someone else is here to learn or do and what their experience is about. I mean, I work as a guide, so I'm there helping people with that, but, Mm-hmm. Um, just really seeing what people have learned and grown through the different things that they've gone through. It's just been so amazing. And I've read a lot of books on that. Um, and it's just really shifted my experience that I, I absolutely believe and know that. And um, it is the most moving thing, I guess, to work with people. And it feels like such a sacred thing to work with their soul contract and really help them to, the, you know, to step up in their power more and more and mm-hmm. do remember who they are and um, what they're really, you know, here to do and really stand in their power. You know, when I, the way you were saying sacred was standing out to me because I just feel that you embody that honoring and respect of life and the people around you and you come from it with such uh, compassion. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to, Uh, notice that in you and see it in you yes thank you and I think um first you know I wanted to work with my own chart just to kind of understand more of myself and my growth and cycles and really seeing um more empowered ways to be and just having a really great mentor work with my own chart and what um how you can really see that from a different way than you would ever get an astrology book or with any you know I've been studying astrology for years um, before that and just got this whole new perspective that was such an empowering way to use astrology um, that really hard, you know, I don't see a lot of models like that out there that it really just changed everything. And I knew that it's how I can really help people. Mm-hmm. And um, I really love seeing exactly how, like how people are wired, you know, and it helped me really see people for the uniqueness um, of who they are and, mm-hmm. um, and honor that. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. 
I'm wondering if you would talk a little bit, you know, there's probably people out there who are kind of thinking, oh, this victim to creator, how can I start seeing that in my own life? Do you have any tips for other people that might be becoming aware of this uh, pattern in their life? I do actually. Yeah. Um, The first step I think is to really look at the payoffs or the benefits of a you know, really being in that victim mentality, because there is always a payoff, even if it doesn't necessarily feel positive, there's something that we're getting that's kind of keeping us in this pattern. So, you know, um, first of all, you know, it is a way to really get a lot of attention or validation. And we learn this in childhood, right? Um, mm-hmm. We can get a lot of attention through like, you know, sometimes drama, sometimes, you know, just really having a lot of people being there. Maybe this is how we learn to get compassion. And it's the only way that we've ever known. And so really becoming aware of that um, can be the first step, right? And maybe mm-hmm. finding a different way or maybe a better way to get that kind of validation and attention. But um, yeah, the first step is just being able to see that in yourself and maybe how that plays out and how, you know, a lot of times this is a whole family, you know, um, learned pattern too. And, and it's very much like in the culture and in the news and in stories that we see. So mm-hmm. maybe you come from a family that, you know, everyone, you know, things are always happening to us, right? Um, mm-hmm. Nothing's ever good. Nothing, you know, we don't really have a say in anything that's happening. And so we just complain about it all the time and just really um, maybe seeing the patterns that you may have learned or adapted that maybe aren't even your truth or maybe aren't in a, the most empowered, healthy way. Mm-hmm. Um, the second um, payoff or benefit for victim mentality is that you really don't have to take any risks. Um, you know, when you feel like a victim, you tend to not have to really take any action. And mm-hmm. it's like you don't they have to succeed. You don't have to, you know, have rejection or failure. It's just like, you're there kind of stuck in this story. So, um, you don't ever have to try or do anything or fail, um, stand in your power, which can really be, um, scary and vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And, um, the third benefit or payoff, you know, is that you don't really have to take any responsibility for your own life. So that could mean, you know, maybe not taking responsibility for the people that you have hurt and caused pain. You know, you can just see how they've hurt you, what they've done to you, but really, you know, starting to take responsibility for the part that you played in the dynamic or maybe Mm -hmm. how something went down, like you, you were a part of that and um, really seeing, you know, consciously how you've created or taken a part in that. And um, Mm -hmm. it could be also, for example, taking responsibility for your health. You know, um, maybe after years of not dealing with your health or neglecting it, not valuing yourself or have a good self-care routine, you're starting to have health issues that come on the scene. And then it's like life is bringing this on to you. All these things are happening to you. But maybe there really is something that you could do about it, you know, even Mm -hmm. now and really start to shift that. You know, maybe it's seeing things as negative all the time, too, you know, that's playing a part in kind of wearing your health and Um, seeing what you really can do um, to learn to value yourself, to show up for yourself, to learn self-care, right? Because a lot of us didn't really see good models of that. And we have to learn care, self-parenting, you know, which is like how kind of we're talking to like our inner child or that part of us, like how 
we would say, you know, from a healthy parent, like, you know, maybe you can have one candy bar, but you don't need six. Or maybe mm-hmm. the best thing for you is just to get outside and take a break. Or maybe you just want to have, you know, some fun or joy and um, balance right now. Maybe you do need to start eating more clean, you know, and just kind of having that kind of accountability with yourself, mm-hmm. um, start showing up in a different way. So, mm-hmm. you know, um, that taking responsibility, it can really feel like hard work and it can seem difficult at first, but, you know, in the long term, it's always going to be the better choice. It's going to feel like the, the, you know, of course, not taking responsibility short term is going to feel easier. You're not dealing with it, but it usually, you know, with a subconscious mind, it kind of gets shoved, what I say, into the shadow, kind of get pushed back until it gets bigger and bigger, bigger, bigger for you to look at it. So mm-hmm. um, best to try to be conscious now, even if sometimes you're tapping into truths and awarenesses that are painful, um, making the space to really be in that and feel it, because the more that you want to push it away, it's kind of the bigger and bigger it will get to get your attention later. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't necessarily always need to get to that. Like, you you know, there's a lot you can do now. Yeah. I remember a couple things. One, at one point I was, I got a little bit overwhelmed. I was like, okay, the co-creator and just started feeling that responsibility. But um, I also had this, um, you know, awareness where I was seeing where I wasn't you know, and something that happened where I had felt like I was wronged, I was able to see my part in it too. And that like, I didn't speak up sooner. Mm-hmm. And that was really a pattern of my life too, is to not speak up and say something. So it, it, it takes the, the blame off the other person when you can kind of see how, how the situations and circumstances were kind of co-created between people (laughs) definitely yeah that was one of the big shifts for me first with higher brain living and Uh going through that work was like really starting to get in touch with my needs and being able to communicate that and I never really learned I think especially the women in my family like to really we're always caretaking for other people and never really got to say what your needs were and really honor like your voice in a way and so that was a big shift for me starting to get in touch with that and there are ways, yeah, that I didn't really say what I needed. Maybe I didn't even know because I was so busy maybe caretaking other people or I could intuitively just know what my partner needed. And that was easier for me. And I expected that he could just do that for me too, yeah. which was really unfair. <laughs> um, you have to just, you have to know what you need and then be able to communicate that, you know, in healthy relationships. And yeah, a lot of us, we have to learn that later on. Yeah. And, you know, and everyone's just doing the best they can as parents, right? But, with, and with what we know, you yeah. know, I just think, all right, the, you know, I know more things than I now than I did then. And I forgive myself and have compassion for, I had a good life and I had some challenges too, but it, it just is what it is. And now I can uh, move forward in a more empowered and light, joyful way than I, than I had been. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh, you have shared so much good stuff, mm-hmm. Stacy. <laughs> if you would like to connect with Stacy, please visit her at her website. It is www.stacyquas.com, and you can find that on the podcast description. Stacy, is there anything you'd like to add before we wrap up? Um, also, you can go to my website. Um, like she said, it's 
stacyquast.com. Um, I have a free gift, seven tips to tune in to your intuition. So if you sign up for my newsletter, um, you can get that free gift. And I also write a blog um, talking about the astrology, different transits that are going on and how to really align to them consciously. Yeah. And I love your, your newsletter and blog. There's Thank you. awesome, yeah, awesome content. It's beautiful. And I guess the other thing, you know, that I'd like to add too is, you know, a big part of shifting from, you know, from this victim to conscious co-creator is really being okay in this unknown place. Because if, you know, we come from a family or a culture, you know, maybe all their peers, the people in our lives are, are complainers and maybe talk about everything that happens to us. And that's all that we've known. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we have this huge space. Like if you really gave that up, what would you do with your free time? Right. Yeah. <laughs> and it sounds comical, but it really is a whole new way of being. Or who am I without that? Yeah. And I, I think, you know, right now as we're recording this, it's, it's the time in autumn and it's really about letting go. And, you know, uh, I just went to a Koya workshop last night, actually. That was amazing. We talked uh-huh. a lot about autumn and the metal element. And like, if you, let go of everything. If you had none of these things, what would be left? You know, and so really, truly, like, if you didn't have this, what would you want to do with your free time? How would it change the way that you engage in your relationships or maybe not engage? You know, maybe someone's coming at you with all this stuff and, you know, you're just okay with being like, you don't really need to go into that or it doesn't really affect you anymore. You don't really Mm -hmm. feel like it's a bad thing. Like it, it will shift things. And, how do you want to fill that time? Maybe consciously you could do a gratitude journal or maybe you just have more time for self-care and really being present to the relationships and connections that you have. And so, I mean, I think it's good to just kind of learning to be okay, though. There is a transitional point if you're giving up, even if you just do like a conscious spiritual act of not complaining or being a victim, you try for 30 days or maybe even just one day. Mm -hmm. Um, See how much, you know, that, maybe challenges you and and how much that brings up for you would be a very great spiritual exercise. Oh, that is, that's a great call to action. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. You're welcome. Thank you so much, Stacy. I have so enjoyed listening to you and having this great conversation. Yes. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Cool. With that, we'll wrap up. I would love for you to check out my app. It's the Rachel app. You can get it at www.rachelapp.com. It has a free meditation timer, which is a very powerful tool for becoming still and present and then being able to practice really being present throughout every single day and every moment. Uh, There's an option to subscribe to. There's details on that website if you want more information. And I have a free gift for you. It is my nine happiness and healing essentials. You can get that at www.drrachelw.com. Remember to rev, recreate, enlighten, and vibrate. Thank you for listening. Until we meet again, be love. EWN Podcast Network.